Okay, we sang this morning, I give all, Lord, take me deeper than I've ever been before. Are you ready? Are you really ready for God to take us deeper than we've ever been before? Okay, right now I see walls going up. (laughs) No, I am protecting my heart. But I can guarantee you, if you will open your heart, help ask the Holy Spirit to take those walls down. Be that onion. Let him peel back a couple layers this morning. Uh, We're going after something deep. Message is called the deepest root. You know, I believe it's so important to remove obstacles to what God wants to do in our lives because my heart, my passion is to see God's women to walk in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid so great a price for us to enjoy. Amen? And there are obstacles, and there are hurts, and there are things, and sometimes we don't believe the right things about God. And there's a devil, and he wants to bring things against you, and it's all to short-circuit what God, our good, good God, our good, good Father has already done for us and trying to get to us. And so I really believe that this morning we are going after some things. Father God, we are in full pursuit of your heart this morning. I ask that the walls will come down in our hearts because we can trust you to be gentle and kind and to bring true life transformation. And I just hear the Spirit of God saying again, what do you want? Do you want to keep going around the same crazy cycle? Do you want to keep stumbling over the same emotions? Do you want to keep marching around the same mountain? Or do you want freedom? And freedom is yours this morning. He says, if you want it, (laughs) come and get it. And trust Do that trust fall with him. He wants to go after some things, not for your detriment, but for your benefit, for your freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has truly set us free. And if you agree with that, I need some amen going on right now. All right. A while ago, there was someone in my life who wasn't going to go away and was really annoying me. (laughs) How spiritual is that? And I found myself thinking about this person all the time, and it was critical, and they were bugging me. It was like, oh, just, I mean, it would be like in the middle of the night, I'd wake up, it's like, oh, it just bugs me. You don't know this person. (laughs) And I was dealing with this thing, and then it was like, oh, I know I'm not supposed to feel this way, but I was so critical. And finally, I thought, this stinks. I'm, this is so wrong, and I know it, but I couldn't seem to get past it. It was this nagging, critical attitude that I had toward this person, and finally, it was like I had my pig pen moment. It's like, that's enough. Okay, God, we, we need to get together here, and you need to show me what needs to change in me. I knew this person was not the problem. And I knew it was my response that I had to deal with. And so here again, God showed me a picture. And, you know, I think all of you must understand this, right, because we're women, that we, are, we have this very 
uh, wonderful ability to see, not just out here, but to see like in the monitor of your heart. Are you tracking with me? And God can show you things. Um, we can have a sanctified imagination because the imagination came from him in the first place. But if we surrender that imagination, the devil can have a heyday with it. But I surrendered my, myself and I said, God, I really need to get free from this because this really, really stinks in my life. And so he showed me a picture in my mind of a stump of a tree. And it's kind of funny because we, we live in a, 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 a home that is surrounded by the biggest trees because the, the, the house is over 100 years old. And I'm sure some of those trees have been there for decades, decades, decades. And um, we have lots of stumps in our yard. But they eventually fall over, and we've cut them down. And, and if you're the stump, so I saw this picture of this stump, and it was, it was somewhat stuck up above the ground. There was still part of the tree trunk there. But coming out of this trunk, even though the whole tree, this whole tree that should have been, uh, could have been, you know, maybe 50, 60 feet tall, now was just a, a large stump. But and you would think, oh, the tree's dead, right? The tree's gone. But coming out of that stump, were these spindly branches, even little green leaves, ugly. It wasn't a big tree. They were just little spindly things growing. And I saw myself um, whacking off those little spindly branches, but then they would just shoot right back up again. And I'd lop off those branches. They were right back again. And God challenged me, and he says, you keep just lopping off these little branches but there's still a root beneath the ground that is alive. And you haven't dealt with the root. You haven't ripped that stump out of your heart, and you just keep dealing with the symptoms. And I said, oh, I truly repented. And I went, oh, ouch, but a good ouch, because I really wanted to get rid of this. It was really messing with me. And I said, okay, God, <laughs> What's the root? He said, the root is you're jealous. They're doing something that you wish you could do, but you're not equipped to do, and they are, and they get to do it, and you don't. You're jealous. And I truly, like I said, I truly repented. And it's not like I'm beating myself up. Oh, what a sinner am I. That's not repentance. Repentance is say, God, I agree with that, and now, my, and now change my mind. Help me to line up, and he will. Oh, yes, that's true heart change. That's true heart change, because we're not just changing our behavior. I'm not just trying harder not to unlike that person, not like that person, but it's like, let's get the root out so those little shoots stop popping up in your life. And he gently showed me that I had been trying to deal with these negative feelings, but I hadn't dealt with the root. And so when I agreed with him, I said, God, pull it up from the roots. And he got his stump grinder out and just ground it out because I surrendered it to him. And let's go. I forgot to mention, you do have worksheets on your table. All right, good. Truth number one. Every bad fruit has a bad root. And yes, it rhymes. All right. So you can remember it. All right, every bad fruit that you see in your life, it's like, oh, it stinks. I don't want to deal with that anymore. I am so sick and tired of being sick and tired. But there is a deeper root. 
you can medicate it, you can vacation it, you can go and get some counseling, and those things can help you deal with symptoms, but they will not take care of the problem. Wow. Sorry if that's in your face this morning, but God wants you free. God doesn't want us to just manage our problems. He wants to go deep. Take me deeper than I've ever been before. We sang it this morning, and you said it, so God's holding you to account here. <laughs> so many problems, many times we think that the problem is the main thing, but it's really just a symptom of a deeper root. And we have to be willing to give permission to the Holy Spirit to reveal some hidden roots, but they're always beneath the surface. Roots don't grow up, they grow down. And sometimes we don't see them, we don't know what is the root cause of what we're experiencing. But we can look at it and say, that's, that's not good. That's a bad fruit in my life. You know, what? the Holy Spirit brings the good fruit, right? Yes, and those are the fruit that we want to see in our lives. But I love to plant flowers in the spring. Anybody a, a flower gardener? I don't do vegetables. and eh, I'll go buy those. But I love to plant pretty flowers. <laughs> and I become impatient with my impatience because I annually plant my annuals, and annually my deer in the yard eat all my impatience. That makes me so impatient. So I've learned what they won't eat. But, oh, I love to dig up the earth and smooth it out. And I line my flowers up diagonally. It looks so beautiful. And I'm planting away. Oh, I love to go to the greenhouse, too. That's just the best thing. And I just love to put all those flowers on the ground. You step back, and, the, and it's just dirt and flowers. It's just so beautiful. And I want you to grow, and I want you to prosper. I want you to, to just mound up, you know, reach for the sky. God's going <laughs> to cause you to grow. I know, how silly. But I love it. It just gives me so much joy. And about two weeks later, I'm looking in my flowers, my beautiful flowers, all my work, you know, getting everything looking so beautiful. And doggone it, if there aren't weeds everywhere. And I said, I didn't plant weeds. I planted flowers. But the weeds come, don't they? And so I get on my hands and knees and I'm pulling out those weeds. You get away from my beautiful flowers. I'm going to take care of you flowers. But the weeds just keep coming. I have to do that three, four times a summer if I want to keep up. But what I've learned about weeds is if you don't pull them out by the root, they're still alive under the surface. And they will, they grow faster than the flowers. What is that about? I have to ask God about that. But anyway, so the same way with chronic problems in our lives. If we don't pull them out by the root, they will continue to come back. They will continue to grow. And if it, you will allow it long enough, the enemy will have his purpose in our life, and that is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm really saying that for some of us here, this message is life and death. Okay, I'm not trying to be too dramatic. But I really do believe because that's always the purpose of what the devil wants to do in our lives. But draw the line because anything having to do with destruction and death and um, sin and sickness only comes from the devil. Life more abundantly comes from Jesus. So we're going for the life this morning. We're going deep. We're getting in the water. We're going to trust him to take us deeper than we've ever gone. Amen, anybody? All right. If you notice on your worksheet, there is a diagram of a plant. 
And I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Excuse me. I, you might say I ripped this off, but it's such an amazing teaching. And I have taken it from uh, Joseph Prince's book called Destined to Reign, R-E-I-G-N. And I highly remember, ooh, I got some people cheering me on. This is an amazing book because he is anointed to teach uh, grace in such a way that I believe it will turn your life right side up. I would say upside down, but we want everybody's lives turned right side up. And I believe he is anointed for this time in our uh, time here on earth to be that kind of a powerful teacher. And I know some of you have asked, you know, there's been some negative things said about Joseph Prince. I went and saw him in New Jersey five, six years ago when he started an, an America, uh, U.S. tour. And um, so I was a little groupie. We're going to go see Joseph Prince. And it was fun. A um, couple of surprising things. He's much taller than I thought. Um, but we were um, actually interviewed beforehand um, by some of his uh, pastors that he mentions. If you watch his broadcast, we're like, we talked to Pastor Mark. It was so cool. You know, seriously, we were silly groupies. But um, we're sitting there, and they got up, and they said, and where are our friends from Grand Rapids, Michigan? <laughs> Groupies! <laughs> but here's what was funny. Some people have said that his book and his teachings have caused church splits. And this is what he said from the pulpit. No, rewind. We sat behind a whole row of people who had come from a church, and the whole time before they had turned around and they started talking to us and said, we told our pastor he's preaching it all wrong. And we told him if he doesn't straighten up, we're leaving, and we're going to take half the church with us. They're talking church split. And pa uh, Pastor Joseph Prince stood up there, and it was an anointed moment because he says, don't any of you go back and tell your pastors that he's doing it wrong. He says, this is not about condemnation. This is about supporting the man who has a call on his life and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak truth to him. You support him. You, you love on him. And these, this whole row of people started sinking lower in their seat. And they turned to each other. We didn't have to say a word. The Holy Spirit did it. And so I want to encourage you. I believe that the truth is there. People will, the devil wants to take it and cause division. Never something that comes from the pulpit. But it's because the devil doesn't like for us to get truth and get free. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to support the book. I'm going to recommend the book. Only because it's preaching the truth about the word of God. So this is not my original idea, but I really believe it's going to help us today. So um, you're looking at this plant, and quite honestly, it's, it's a sickly plant. It's not a healthy plant. And we're going to start at the top, and we're going to talk about what's above the ground on the plant and what's below the ground, and see how this works even in our own lives. So we're going to start with the first, and you get, you're going to see that there are some lines. So we're going to start with the first line there, that sickly leaf represents, we go to the next slide. All right, destructive habits. Destructive habits, addictions, turning to a source of escape or comfort, but not dealing with the why. 
what's driving it, what's holding me captive, what's driving me to do something that I know is not good for me, pornography, overeating, gambling, sex addictions, marital affairs, over shopping, cussing, critical attitudes, perpetual social media. Oops, did I say that? Did you know more and more there are centers popping up that are rehab centers for people who are addicted to social uh, media and video games? And in Asian countries, it's like the number one addiction. Yes. Because it begins to control, it changes my attention and my focus, and it also might become my identity. And maybe I get to be heard, but I'm hiding behind social media. And it replaces true interaction. So we ask ourselves, are we really ready to be free from destructive habits in our lives? What's driving them? It's not a behavior change issue. It's getting to the root of the matter. Let's go on to number two. Sickness, chronic sickness. Chronic sickness, things that come over and over. And you know what? We live in a fallen world, and therefore our bodies are not perfect. But again, Jesus provided everything for us to walk in victory. And one of those things is in the area of sickness. And he has provided healing through the precious blood of Jesus. He took stripes on his back. But it doesn't mean that you are immune from um, exposure to sickness, and we do sometimes get sick. Our bodies are not in an upward spiral naturally. We're kind of in a downward spiral. That's just the result of sin. But we rely on the word of God for health, true health. You can eat right. You can exercise enough. You can take enough vitamins. You can grow your own food and raise your own chickens. You can do all those things. That's kind of popular right now. Anybody have chickens in your yard? Ah, see? <laughs> popular with two people. Anyway, I know people doing it, and I think it's cool. Sure, go after it, but don't make that your source of health. That health, health, how many of you know people who did everything right, and they fell over from a heart attack? You know, they were running their last marathon, and they keeled over. You know, how healthy were they being um, in the natural, but it still takes a faith in the work that Jesus Christ accomplished for us for health, healing, and wholeness. So, um, but, so we, but we do sometimes experience those chronic things in our lives. You know that it's even um, medically proven that we oftentimes have cancer cells in our bodies, but your healthy body is able to kill those cells. And so when we get in a rundown um, place in our health, sometimes those cells have a place to multiply and then cancer can grow. But you know what? We still speak against it. It's not from God. He took it in his body. He not only became sin for us, he became sick for us and shed his precious blood so we don't have to bow our knee to sickness, but it has to bow its knee to the mighty name of Jesus. But we still experience these things. You know, I shared with you how I had this pain, these pains in my knees. Um, you know, I've had other issues too. But I'm going to go after it with what I know about the Word of God. Let's go on to the next one. Depression. It's a sickly leaf in our lives. 
It's not a physical pain. So sometimes it's hard to detect. But depression emotionally can still cause physical sickness in different ways. And so maybe sometimes we're just having feelings of helplessness and hopelessness, loss of interest in daily activities. Sometimes it affects our appetite. Sometimes there's weight changes involved, sleep issues, anger or irritability, loss of energy, self-loathing. You know, depression causes us to look at ourselves and begin to loathe, be critical. It's like an inward attack on you. And concentration problems, sometimes people act out because they're trying to escape what is real, this real pain. And sometimes it does cause, medically uh, proven, that it can cause unexplained aches and pains. It sucks the joy out of life. That's what it does. And here's the thing. Ladies, please know my heart. This isn't about beating you up this morning. This is about saying, are you, are you sick and tired of that? Would you like to see real change in that? Because here's the thing. We have to go deeper. There's something feeding that. That's just a symptom. That's just a symptom of something deeper. And God says, I'll do it. I'll do it this morning. Will you be open to allowing him to do something that we cannot do ourselves? You can medicate it. You can get some relief. But I believe God wants to go deeper and not just help you manage. This is not about managing our problems. This is about letting the power of God and the love of God destroy what the enemy is trying to do in your life. All right. You got it? Are you tracking with me? Because I want, I want to love on you this morning. I truly do. Let's go to worksheet truth number two. We're bouncing back up above the picture there. When you are able to identify and deal with the root, the fruits and the leaves will take care of themselves. See, we want to we lop off those spindly branches growing out of the stump. But they'll always come back. We haven't taken care of the root of the problem. So when you are able to identify and deal with the root, the fruits and the leaves will take care of themselves. All right, let's go back to that plant diagram. So now we're going below the surface here. And so what is feeding these things? And there's many more. There's financial lack. There's lack of any kind. Um, you know, we could go on and on. I don't want to major on those things. Let's go below the surface here. The first part of the root just below the surface is stress. Mm -hmm. We hear that word all the time. I'm so stressed. I'm stressed out. It's like the number one industry uh, out there for, um, for books and for medication and for um, self-help gurus. It's usually about relieving stress. But stress is just one level. But one medical study reports that stress causes 70% of physical sickness. The bad leaves are showing up, aren't they? So that stress is, again, not something that needs to be managed. It needs to be removed by the root. But it's just kind of a shallow one right under the surface. Let's go a little bit deeper. The second level of this root system that Joseph Prince said that the Holy Spirit revealed is fear. 
fear is very much behind a lot of these symptoms that we're talking about. In fact, fear is really the root of stress because we're fearful that I don't know how I'm going to get this done. I don't think I'm, I'm qualified for this. You know, what happens in the future? What, what if this happens and what if that happens? And all of a sudden we have this negative thing all mapped out and you might even plan your own funeral if you're not careful because we're fearful of what is happening. But it can manifest itself in many symptoms, panic attacks, anxiety, prolonged insomnia, constant state of unrest, and a disturbed state of mind. You know, we're talking about some of these destructive things, the depression and the sickness. We're, We're getting fed by a root of fear, which feeds stress, which feeds all the rest, causes bad fruit in our lives. I can identify with fear. I mean, do you think this is fun for me? It is. I love it. <laughs> but there was a time in my life that I said, God, why are you asking me to do this? I have to overcome so many things just to stand in front of people, never feeling good enough, never feeling I've done enough, always feeling like, God, why don't you ask somebody else? He said, I ask you, so just get up there, and I will walk, work through you. All right, so I've learned, and now I, it is the joy of my life to follow him and what he's asking of me. But we haven't gotten to the bottom of this, have we? I think we need a drum roll. The deepest truth, here it comes, is condemnation. Anybody surprised? I was. So wait a minute, condemnation? I'm not sure I understand that. But medical science cannot touch this deepest root because it is a spiritual problem. And condemnation only comes from one source, and that is the devil himself. He is the accuser of the brethren. His name is actually Ha-Satan. And if you uh, look that up in its original form, it means the accuser. And Revelation tells us he stands day and night throwing accusations at you, condemnation. And it, is, it sounds like You are never enough. You are disqualified because of what you did. You'll never recover from that. You are a sinner. You're a pathetic Christian. Why do you think you can be a table eater? Why do you think you deserve God's love? Why do you think you're a lousy mother? Look what you just did. You're going to damage your children. You're, You're a bad wife, bad wife bad Christian, and we listen to the lies of the enemy. And it's designed, that condemnation is designed to pound you down so far that you will disqualify yourself. Not only do I fail, but now I am a failure. Not only have things happened in my life that broke my heart, but now I am broken and never to be fixed. And so we begin to live our life from this place of condemnation. But ladies, we are listening to the lies of the enemy who is stealing, killing, and destroying from us. But let me just go back to the book of beginnings in Genesis. Do you know that Adam was planted in the middle of a finished work? It was a perfect garden, wasn't it? And they lived, and they were created in the likeness of God. They were absolute perfect human beings in the flesh. 
But the devil told them that they needed to do something to qualify for all the things that God had already qualified them for. Because, see, the devil is always trying to get you to do something to get something that you've already got. But the only way that he can work is to deceive us and to give us from condemnation a mistaken identity. He said to them, you shall surely not die, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. They were already like God. But he caused them to do something, to get something that they already had. And so the curse came because that's what the devil does. He brings the curse. And so before there was poverty, sickness, and death in Adam's life, there was stress. Because then God says, well, now you've opened the door that you're going to have to sweat to produce um, to, to produce a harvest, to be able to eat bread. And sweat speaks of stress and self-effort. But if you go even deeper, then they open the door to fear. Because now when Jesus or God walked with them in the cool of the evening and they hid from him and they said, because we were afraid. So now the door was open to fear. But you see, why did Adam feel condemned? Because the deeper root of stress is fear. But before he was fearful, he felt condemned and ashamed. It was because he partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A conscience was born. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a picture of the law that says, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. We talked about that last time. But the Bible says in Romans 3.20 that by the law is the knowledge of sin. It does not have the power to free you. It just sets the boundaries of what is sin. It gave, God gave the law so that we would know we're sinners, so that we would look up and say, I need you. And he says, here I am. I will provide. So now that we know that the law brings about the knowledge of sin, what happens now? What's so bad about having the knowledge of good and evil, some people might wonder? Well, you will feel condemned. And you open the door to fear. And it opened the door to stress. So the law, actually, Paul calls the ministry of death. It didn't come to save us. It came, us, came to bring us to the knowledge that we need Jesus. But see, the deepest root reveals the deepest strategies and schemes of Satan. So if we continue along this line of condemnation, we will think, I don't deserve God's love. I can't receive anything from him. I know she talks about that all the time. Finish the work of the cross, finish the work of the cross. She always says that. But I don't know if I can receive that. That is a, that is a mindset affected by the voice of condemnation, a deeper root. Because if you don't believe you deserve it, God says, I have qualified you. I have covered you in my blood. I have made you righteous. I give you a new identity. And that qualifies you to receive everything, again, that Jesus paid so great a price for us to enjoy. But see, the 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 12 says, Now, if the ministry of death, which is literally the Ten Commandments, which were given, Though they're holy, they don't have the power to make us holy. We talked about that last week. The, the ministry of death engraved in letters on stones, the covenant of law, which led to death because of sin. If that came with such glory and splendor, because you remember when G, uh, Moses came down from the mountain, his face shone. He had been in the presence of the Lord. There was some glory and splendor when it was given. But how will the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is the new covenant, which allows us to be spirit-filled, fail to be even more glorious and splendid, we have a better covenant. 
it is glorious and splendid. For if the ministry that brings condemnation, which is the, the law, has glory, how much more does glory overflow in the ministry that brings righteousness? God did not bring condemnation, but he brings us righteousness through the new covenant, which declares you, ladies, free of guilt and sets you apart for God's special purpose. And it all began in the garden. But see, when we have this, this uh, what the Bible actually calls an evil conscience, we're always conscious, conscious, there's conscience and then conscious, we're always conscious of sin. I walk around feeling like I'm always doing something wrong. I always have to confess, 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 repent, repent, repent. I come before God and I just feel like I've never done it right. I can never do enough. I'm always saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. The Bible calls that an evil conscience, Hebrews 10, 22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. God doesn't want you going around with your tail between your legs feeling like a guilty sinner all the time. He says, I already removed your sin and I made you righteous. Now walk around with your head, a righteous woman of God. Because that's who I've made you. You're covered in the blood. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. You've been washed. You've been redeemed. You're not, you're not what you do. You are what you have been made because of Jesus. And it's only because of Jesus. So uh, evil conscience is one that's perpetually conscious of sin. Sin consciousness. And it typically expects punishment. And so when you get sick, you might think, well, I probably deserve that one. No, you did not. But see, if you think you, that God is trying to teach you something and borrowing from the evil of a uh, curse from the devil to teach you something, then don't ask God to heal you. And that doesn't make sense because that's not what God does. All right. So let's realign our thinking that Jesus finished it. He said, you are healed by my stripes and by my blood. So we become sin conscious and we think, well, I have to do more. I have to try harder. I have to pray longer. I have to uh, act a certain way. I have to put on my Christian mask and make sure that nobody knows I'm really struggling underneath and I can't ask for help because it, well, how would that make me look? You know, I'm supposed to be this spiritual person and we try harder, but you know what? I don't, the gospel of grace is not try harder. It's a die harder. It's a die harder gospel. Die to those things, that, that self-effort that you think that you can earn anything, that you can fix anything. Uh, we are not dirty, rotten sinners. We are washed and redeemed and made righteous and right standing. But if you're operating under condemnation, it's a bottomless pit. You will never, ever be able to satisfy it. I've been there, done that. I always felt guilty didn't feel comfortable in God's presence because I'm coming in again just feeling so bad about myself, Lord. That's a condemnation. That is the spirit of condemnation that has given me this sin consciousness. But wait, aren't we supposed to be sorry for our sins? Yes, but you're not supposed to be paying for your sins with your sorriness. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is constantly trying to convict you Let's go to this worksheet truth number three. Does he convict? Yes, he does. But the Holy Spirit convicts believers of their righteousness. He doesn't convict you of your 
sin and oh, oh boy am i opening pandora's box but let's go there don't believe me believe john <laughs> john 16 8 through 11 jesus is speaking here and he is teaching his disciples about the holy spirit because the holy spirit was going to come he is going to take my place. Don't worry. It's to your advantage that I go away because a greater one's coming, and he is the Holy Spirit. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. And he says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. He said, see, I told you. I told you the Holy Spirit convicts sin. Uh, hold on there, would you please? And he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. There's three convictions here, all by the Holy Spirit. So let's unpack this. And Jesus, if you stop there, you say, oh, man, you know, I'm always being convicted by the Holy Spirit of my sin. But Jesus explained it. He says, because I go to the Father and you see me no more of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I skipped the first part. And of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Here's what he does. There's, there is a conviction by the Holy Spirit of sin for unbelievers. Because if they don't see their need for God, they'll never receive him. And sin brings us to the point where he says, I need a savior. Somebody save me. And Jesus says, I save you. And so there is a conviction of sin. But once you're a believer, the next conviction was the conviction of righteousness. And he says, this is the conviction for believers in Jesus Christ. Because he said to his disciples, who was he talking to? The ones who were saved, the ones who believed in him. He says, because I go to my father and you see me no more. He's talking to believers. He convicts you of your righteousness. He reminds you of who you are. When you sin, you have just had an identity crisis. You forgot who you are. Who you really are is who God says you are. And he says you are the righteousness of God because of Christ Jesus. I need a Bible. Can somebody bring me a Bible? All right. We're going to talk about why that could even be possible. Because it's not because we don't sin. It's because Jesus has removed our sin. And when he sees us, thank you. No, I'm good. <laughs> I want you to, I, I'd use this explanation all the time because there's no other way to see it. This is you this is Jesus. You say, I keep sinning, I keep sinning, I keep failing. How in the world can you call me righteous? Because righteousness does not depend on your good behavior. It depends on Jesus' obedience. And he did it for us because he knew we couldn't do it for ourselves. He fulfilled every requirement of the law and he did it perfectly as a human being. And so when he went to the cross, he shed precious blood. It was perfect blood. And he finished that work so that you could now be found in Christ. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. And you are just as righteous as Jesus. He gifted you right standing with him, not based on your goodness, but based on his love for you. That is pure grace. That is the pure love of God. And so he convicts you of your righteousness. He does not convict you of your sin. And that compels me to say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. I, it changes my want to. It causes me to, to lay myself before God and say, I want this out of my life. And I just agree with you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I know testimonies of people who are caught in addictions, whether that be substance abuse or, or uh, sexual activity or whatever that might be. They're just caught in this addiction. And when they will, even in the middle of that sin, say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to remember who I am. And it breaks the power of sin in their lives to, re to embrace the identity of righteousness. 
the gift of righteousness. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Righteousness breaks the power of sin because it's your new identity. But the last conviction in John 16 says judgment. God is not judging believers. It says because the ruler of this world is judged, and that's talking about God judges Satan on our behalf. So does he convict us of sin? For unbelievers, yes. So that they can walk in a new identity. He gives them the identity uh, that Jesus paid so great a price for us. And then as believers, he convicts you of your righteousness. He just, he's going to poke at you. You're doing something. He says, you forgot who you are. You forgot who you are. You're, you forgot who I made you to be. It will break the power. Let's go to truth number four. The only solution to the deepest truth is to understand and believe what God says about you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I need to hear you say it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Remember where you're found under the blood in Christ Jesus. And see, the devil wants you to live your life sin conscious, but Jesus wants you to live your life's forgiveness conscious because we're always going back to the cross. If I'm forgiveness conscious, I rely on the finished work of the cross, knowing that Jesus already did it all. It is done, done, done. I no longer have to do, do, do to gain any favor or blessings because he already removed our sin. And he has made you just as righteous as Jesus, which doesn't make sense, but it's what Jesus gifted to us. It was because of his obedience and so we feed on the life of Christ, which gives us confidence to draw near to him with a true heart, having our mind cleansed from an evil conscience because of the blood of Jesus. But we have to rely on the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus to eradicate, pull up the root of condemnation from our lives. God is not condemning you. He is not looking at you and he's not disappointed in you and he's not chastising you. He doesn't punish you. Jesus already was punished for our sin. But he will woo you and cause you to remember who you are. Let's go to Worksheet Truth number five. Condemnation attacks your identity, which is our righteous identity, your destiny, and your faith. Identity is being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's going to try and make you feel like I'm such a horrible sinner. I don't deserve any of God's favor. Destiny, God's purposes and plans for your life may not come to pass because you're always feeling so unworthy. Who am I? I can't do this. And that's not actually a bad place to be as long as you take the next steps and say, but you can do it in me because I have the mind of Christ and I have his strength and I'll, I will allow the Holy Spirit to take me where I'm supposed to go. And the last one with, is faith. We begin to doubt that God is really for me. How can I, how can I trust a God if, if I feel like he's always mad at me? Which is a wrong belief, isn't it? How can I be righteous when I keep doing things wrong? He says, come on, girl. I'll teach you to walk my ways. And he will change your heart. He will change your appetite for sin. If there's something you're caught in, girls, there is no condemnation. Let's go to worksheet truth number six. Romans 8, 1. 
This is like the crescendo of where we're going here. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, and that's one more little blank there, because I like to say, period. End of discussion. Shut up, devil. I'm not listening to your lies. I know who I am. Righteousness is your sure defense when the devil comes up against you and try to make you feel unworthy and unqualified. Don't listen to it. Because Jesus says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we had the, you in the Bible. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. Some of your translations and versions will say, for those who walk according to the Holy Spirit. In my Bible, those words are crooked. They're in italics. And I want you to be aware of something, because this is something recent for me. That last phrase was added. It's not in the original text. You say, oh, no, now I can't read my Bible. I don't know what's true and what's not true. It's okay. God will still reveal truth to you, because that's what he does. But if you have a study Bible of sorts, um, it, and you go to a footnote or in the margin, it will say, omitted in the NU text. The oldest text that we have is not the original one. You know, we'd all love the Dead Sea Scrolls for all, the whole thing. But what we have is a very early text. It was not included in that. And what happened is somebody said, well, that's too good news to be true. That can't be true, because don't you have to do all the right things before there's no condemnation? Only for those who do everything right and walk according to the Spirit, which we don't always do. No, it wasn't there. It's there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, end of discussion, period. Not because we deserve it, not because we do it all right, because we won't and we don't. But wow, what love of God there is that we can walk in his righteousness. Girls, let's just pray. Father God, I'm not, <laughs> I just surrender everything to you because we won't get this without the help of your Holy Spirit. And I just believe your Holy Spirit is bringing revelation and truth. Our eyes are open. There's layers being pulled back. Father God, whatever that deepest root is right now, we just pull it up. We ask by your Holy Spirit, pull it up, pull it up, pull it up. Every trace, rip it out. We're surrendering it to you. That root of condemnation, that root of fear, that root of stress. God, we want our lives, our lives to be healthy, filled with the fruit of your spirit. And you are so glad to do it. But boy, it just takes surrendering it. Don't feel condemned because God wants to go deep so that you can experience a greater level of who he is and how he loves you. Oh, thank you, Lord. So, Lord, as we discuss, I pray, Lord, that you would just bring truth, healing, light, and life in the name of Jesus. And all God's girls said, amen and amen.